0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Grace Community Church of Willow Street's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how to be more engaged with our church, check us out online at gccws.net, or you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message, and we are praying that it leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Hello, thanks for checking out our on-demand message archive. It's our church's mission to help people know and follow Jesus, and we believe that putting our messages online is one way to make that easier. Maybe you missed church this week and you're looking to catch up, or you're revisiting an older message. We just hope that this message helps you to grow in your faith. We'd love to have you join us in person here at 212 Peach Bottom Road in Willow Street, PA. We have services on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 8, 9, 15, and 11 a.m. The 8 a.m. service is our traditional service where we sing traditional music selections and the three other services are contemporary services. If you can't join us in person, we have a digital ministry that we call GCC Anywhere. In addition to a live stream of our 6 p.m., 8 a.m., and 9.15 a.m. service, we produce helpful biblical content and posts throughout the week to help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you need anything at all, please reach out to us at gccws.net slash contact, and we'll be sure to get back to you soon. I hope that you enjoy this message, and know that we're praying.
1: Father God, we come before you this morning, and as we just sang, we do recognize that you are three in one. You are God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are so thankful for the resurrection and the power that it has for our lives that we become new creations because of that, and that we have hope, not just in this life, but for all of eternity. And we're thankful that you have the Capital C Church is where you want to be able to have your message and the gospel go forth for people to be able to hear that, and for people to gather together, worship, and be transformed. So we just pray as we're here this morning that we could be a reflection of what you envisioned and wanted the church to be. And with that, Lord, we know the church is made up of many people and with many needs. And so we pray here this morning for Pastor Paul and Jen and the family. We pray that Caitlin would be able to come home today. We're thankful for just the progress that was made throughout the week that Caitlin was improving, Father God, and we pray that that would continue, there would not be any hiccups, and that you would just heal and strengthen her body, and that you'd continue to be with Pastor Paul and Jen as they are there around the clock and providing care, and I'm sure as parents, very anxious when you are not in control and your child is not well and wanting to be able to try to fix that, Lord. So I just pray that you continue to be with them, continue to... Uh, build their faith and that they would continue to lean into you Father God God we also know that beyond that there's many needs within our congregation with people the things they are facing Lord Of um, just knowing what's gone on this past week with some of our people Lord that there's things that they are facing some have received cancer diagnosis some have been hospitalized some have had loved ones pass away Some are going through things we we are not even aware of, God. And so we pray that you would be there with our people, that you would meet them where they're at, that you would meet their needs, that you would be at work in their life, Lord. And we know that we're not in control, God. And so I pray that as things happen, whether we understand them or not, Lord, we know that you are sovereign in control. And so we trust you and we turn to you that you would do a work that only you can do. And that knowing that we can't do things, so that's why we turn to you in prayer as our helper. Father, we also want to be able to turn to you and ask for help and direction as we continue our prayer focus on our sister church, Conestoga, Bethel, and the opportunities that they have to make meaningful and deep connections in the community, Lord, that they would help people in Conestoga come to know and follow your son, Jesus, that you would have opportunities, whether it be the church or whether it be individuals from the church, make connections with people and opportunities, Lord, that you would providentially put together. We're thankful for the food bank and the progress of where that is, Lord, and the opportunity that that can be able to be a tool that you use, that that church uses to be able to impact that community And to meet physical needs, Lord, but also a doorway and to be able to meet spiritual needs. And so we commit that to you. Lord, there's a lot of unrest around the world. There's wars. There's tension. There's many things going on because we live in a fallen and broken world due to sin. And the only remedy to that is your son, Jesus. And when we have that, we experience peace that passes all understanding, Father God. So I just pray that... We as your people, as individuals, we as your church, the capital C, would continue to go throughout the whole world to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that people can experience that peace and that they don't have to live in a, in a world where they um, have just so, so many problems that they cannot solve and just bringing hurt and pain to so many, Father God. So we commit that to you. We pray that as we're here this morning, as we worship and continue to worship more this morning, that we would be able to worship you in spirit and truth and that your Holy Spirit would be ministering here in this room as well as people that are watching online, that as they hear your word, that you would do a transformation in our hearts and minds, God, that only you can do. We pray that you'd be using your Holy Spirit to be speaking in and through Pastor Addison as he shares your word That you would guide and direct what he says, Lord. And so, as we continue to worship Father God, we give you all the praise and glory for everything. And we pray this in your Son's most holy and precious name. Amen. The scripture reading this weekend is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 16. And by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will all grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work.
0: Thank you, Pastor Jared, for leading us in prayer and reading the scripture. Uh, my name is Pastor Addison. I know many, many of you are new, you know, since COVID and uh, may have not had a chance for us to meet, um, so hi. Um, <laughs> that counts. I'm not going to remember your name, um, but, uh, but uh, if you tell me it, I'll try. Um, I want to open this morning with a question, and that question is, has anybody ever told you to grow up? you're having trouble remembering, let me set the scene for you. Um, you're in a grocery store and, and you're by yourself and uh, you're kicking the grocery cart down the aisle like a skateboard and um, just having a good time because you enjoy your life. And um, somebody sees you and says, hey man, you know, grow up a little bit, right? Um, you know, but in truth, we've all probably had somebody say it to us. And if we are raising teenagers, we've probably said it um, or really kids of any age, right? Uh, we've We've, we've said grow up, right? And but there's kind of a different version of, of what we could call the grow up conversation, and um, it's much more loving and kind than the example I just gave. Um, it's easy to imagine, you know, somebody who cares for you deeply, or somebody you care for deeply, depending on what side of the conversation you're on, and, and you say to them. You know I, I just really want you to to grow up as a person because because I see so much potential for your life I, I see so many so many gifts and so many talents and I, and I see so much so much in you and so much that you could do in your life that that if you just got these these little things out of the way if, if you were just able to Consistently show up on time at places, or if you were able to just, you know, um, just like you know, kind of get some things in order in your life, you'd you it, it would really help you, right? And and that second example is is kind of completely different, right? It's completely full of love and care and and vision and, and hope, right? And and I think that it's helpful to kind of lay those two out in our head because. What Paul's doing in Ephesians is he's having kind of the second type of conversation with the church in Ephesus. And, and really churches in general, because we, we believe this is what was called a circular letter, which means that the church in Ephesus read it and then they sent it to other churches all throughout kind of the Asia region, right? And, um, and, and the book of Ephesus, is, the letter to the Ephesians is, is six chapters, and it, and it splits in a, in a way that's really easy to remember the first three chapters. Paul is going to say to the church, here's who you are, here's what you could be, here's this beautiful vision um, of all the things that I hope for for you as your pastor and someone who cares for you. And then right at the beginning of chapter four, there's kind of this hinge point um, where he kind of turns into, okay, we've spent three chapters talking about who you are, now let's talk about what you should do as a result of that right it it turns on it turns on the word if you're reading the nasb which is a a more literal translation it turns on the word therefore Um, in the niv which is what we're reading from this morning it just translates then because it's a little easier to read that way but he says as a prisoner for the lord then or therefore i urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received so paul is in prison in rome many people believe he's writing to the ephesian church and he says, because of everything I have just said about you, because of the, the beautiful things that you are as a church and as a body and, and all that I believe that God has called you to, I want you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In other words, I know what you are and you know what you are and you, and you just you start living into that reality. And then he spends kind of this whole chapter not addressing some issue in the church as he often does, not addressing some person, not even really addressing like, you know, clarity on a theological matter. He just talks to the church. And I find that fascinating because he's just spent, again, he spent three chapters talking about vision and hope and future and all this stuff. And he says, you know, the most, the thing I'm going to get to first is it's how this applies to the, to the gathered church together, to the individual body and, and kind of the broader worldwide body. And with that context, I want to kind of quickly read through the verse again and, and just think about what he's saying here. He's just talked about how God's given gifts to people. And then he says, so Christ himself, this is 411, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ from him the whole body joined together and held joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work now this is a massive paragraph of text and when you first come to it it can feel kind of confusing and kind of long and what i would call kind of biblically um, I, don't, I don't know if that's a real word, 100% sure it isn't actually, um, but uh, but really it, it, it organizes itself pretty nicely when you look at it, because he's really giving this church kind of three commands for them to grow as a body, and, and in these three commands, I think we, we see what God's vision is for the church, and, and this really functions as something like a pep talk, like Paul is, is speaking to churches, and he's saying, hey, this is what you're supposed to be, And he tells them three things. The first thing he tells them is he tells them to serve. The second thing he tells them is he tells them to mature. Um, And the third thing he tells him is he tells them to remember. And so we're going to kind of break it down that way because I think it's the most helpful um, way to look at it. So the first idea is he tells them, to serve. He says that he gave the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So for the sake of our context, this is people who ministry is their job, right? Like this is people who, who serve in an office of, of leadership in a church. And it says that their job is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, um, caveat here, this is going to sound self-serving right? Because, because, you know, I'm, what I'm about to say, just warning you. Um, if you feel like it's self-serving, serve in someone else's ministry, not mine or something. I don't know. However you have to do, whatever you have to do to get over that, um, you know, just, just know that I'm not just trying to trick you here. The reality of Scripture is that one of the best ways to grow your faith, and, and I would say the reality of kind of our lived-in reality, is one of the best ways to grow your faith is to serve in your church, now there's nothing magical about serving in your church, right? Like it's not like you're going to pick up a chair and say what must I do to be saved? Like that's not that's not how it works. But th- there is something special about it because because the reality is if you show up here let's say for like a work day, like we'll do a um we'll do a work day going into the spring to kind of get the building ready for, you know, spring and, and it looking nice again. Um, and, you know, if you show up for that work day, you will interact with people, you'll rub shoulders with people, you'll have conversations with people, and your faith will grow in practical ways, right? Because, because I, I sit there and I talk to somebody who works a job or a business and, and they talk about, you know, maybe as that conversation goes on, they talk about what it's like to be a Christian in their context and, and how their faith, how they're struggling through different things in their life. And that grows your faith. And it grows your connection to the church that you're a part of. You know, as a pastor, a lot of times I hear about people who... um again, I'm trying to be nice and not self-serving. Um, they come into a church, and they're on their, their third or fourth church, and they and they come in, and they, they hang around for a little bit. They hang around for three weeks, four weeks. They kind of, you know, they're not going to initiate a conversation because, you know, like some of us are introverts, right? And um, that's normal. I just want to get that out there, normal to be an introvert, um, you know? And, uh, and, and you know, they sit there, and they, they don't really volunteer anywhere, and they say, oh, you know, I, di- I just didn't fit there. I just, I just never really found, you know, my place, and I didn't really connect with anybody, and and, and, you know, it's just, just not the church for me. And then they go to another church and you know, three weeks. And, uh, you know, I did this. it's just not the church for me. And maybe, maybe church isn't for me as a whole. The, the truth is, is that no church is ever going to feel like your church until you are connected and serving at that church. You know what I mean? Like, no church is ever going to feel like... It's always going to feel like a place you attend, right? I go to Starbucks a lot. More than I should. My bank account suffers for it. I don't feel any personal connection to that one right down the street. If it closed, I would just go to the one on 30 again with the crazy parking lot. <laughs> um, what are they even doing there? What are you like I, Even the Belmont parking lot's looking at it like, guys, get it together. Um, you know what I mean? Like um, it's. Like, I have no connection, that's not my Starbucks, it's a Starbucks, right, that makes the same drinks as every other one makes. I give them money, they give me a drink, that's the nature of our relationship. If you treat church that way, it's gonna feel that way. If your relationship with church is I give you two hours and you give me maybe feeling better about myself and, some, and a trunk or and other kids' events throughout the year, it's gonna feel mostly transactional. And and, and again, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, I'm just explaining to you the reality of what this verse is saying and what kind of the Bible as a whole is saying. And, And God has given you a gift that he intends for you to use in the church that you are a part of. And as you use that gift to minister to others, it will grow your connection to a local body and it will grow your faith. And maybe the word minister freaks you out. Listen, one commentator puts it this way, whatever is done for God and in his name for people is a ministry. We're not asking you to get like a Bible degree. We're not asking you to, you know, we're not asking you to have all the answers to life. People, when I used to um, be a youth pastor, people, leaders would say, well, what if, what if a youth student asked me a question and I don't know the answer? You say, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's it. Like, I, like they're not going to be like, oh my goodness, I'm going to give up on Christianity because that... That 35-year-old did not know the answers to life, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's just, I mean, like, the, the truth is, is that, that we get in our own way with this stuff. And I need to tell you that we don't ask for volunteers here because we, we just have holes that need to be filled, right? It's not like we, we sit there and we say, like, well, we just got to get anybody in there. We just got to get, you know, just a warm body in the, in the, in the second-grade classroom because otherwise they'll form a government and overthrow us and... Um, <laughs> And, you know, we, they read Lord of the Flies and things got scary, um, you know, and um, I don't know if second graders are reading Lord of the Flies. That was a weird joke. Um, but, um, you know, uh, like the, the point is, is we're not just filling spaces with people. We, we, when we ask you to volunteer here at Grace Community Church, we are asking for permission to equip you for life-giving ministry. We, we, we are saying to you, hey, will you let us invest in you? Will you let us create a space that makes it as easy as possible for you to serve people in the name of Jesus? Will you let us deploy resources and time into you as a person? Why? So that you can be equipped for service of the Lord. And, and so, so we see that as an important part of what we do. And the problem is, is that we get, you know, we as people in churches get caught up on you know lies. Honestly, as this stuff happens, we tell ourselves like, oh well, you know, I'm gifted at a few things, but this church is big. Like they don't need me, you know. If they needed me, they would tell me, um, you know, because they probably know that I'm good at this, um, even though I've never told anybody, um, you know. And it's like, um, and they just figured it out, like God told them or something, um, you know. And and it's and like so we tell ourselves one, they don't need them. The other one, and I think this is even worse. We say, well, yeah, I'm good at that, but there's people who are better than me. Like, there's people who are better suited for that than I am. So, so I, I really shouldn't serve, right? Because there's people who are better than me. I mean, I, again, I permission to step on your toes for just a minute. The Bible says that you are God's workmanship created for good works he has prepared in advance for you to do. That's either true or it isn't. Right, and, and, and so, unless you're ready to say, well, that's just not true about me, then, then God has created you and formed your life, and I think, I think this is super cool, formed the sum total of your life experiences to arrive here in this time, in this chunk of time, for you to serve in some way that is meaningful for the good of the church and for the good of the people who interact with our church. And we actually believe that about you. We believe that you are not useless, you are not less than talented enough. We believe that God has actually put a gift in you that he intends for you to use. And I just, just taking another step non-biblically here, think about the worldview you've given yourself if you say to yourself, well, there's people better than me that I can't serve. I mean, imagine what that would even look like practically like we have, I don't know, like a bi-weekly competition where we time people changing diapers before they, oh, you want to serve in the infant nursery? Huh? You got to come to the competition. You know what I mean? Like, like you just got to come in. We do it Sunday at noon. We will give you lunch. Um, eat it light, though, because you got to move. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna time you on changing a diaper. And um, if you're not number one on that on that class, we can't let you in. I'm sorry. Um, you know, you're either gonna have to find a church with worse diaper changers, or you're gonna have to, um, or you're just gonna have to get better. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. I mean, we would laugh about we laugh about that concept, right? But and yet people sit in sit in chairs every single week, and they say, "Well, I can never serve in youth ministry. I'm not cool enough." Right? Like, or I can never, first of all, like, teenagers are terrifying. And it never doesn't feel like you're just, like, in a high school cafeteria, like, wanting. 15-year-olds who don't have jobs or cars or houses to like you. Um, you know, it's just a, like, <laughs> it, it, is a, it is an unsettling experience. Like, even, you know, I was in youth ministry for a long time. Um, I don't know how many years I was going to say it, but I'm not sure. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's always kind of an unsettling experience. But people hold themselves, this is, I, I know we're being a little silly, but people hold themselves back from life-giving ministry that will grow their faith and will grow the church because they're telling themselves lies about them themselves that are completely unreasonable. And and, and if if Jesus could like sit you down in a room, he he would lovingly say to you, don't you realize the stuff you could be doing? Don't don't you realize like the lives you could be impacting and, and you're getting in your own way? Don't you realize that the families you could be serving by loving their children well in our children's ministry? You know, don't you realize the relationships you could be building through playing drums or guitar or, you know, or whatever it is. Don't, don't you realize the, the moments you could get to walk through in life if you, if you began the path to being one of our deacons? You know, there, there's so much there, and we miss it because of our opinion about ourselves that is not grounded in anything but our opinion of ourselves. So first he tells us to serve, and then he tells us to mature. The second thing we should do is do the work of becoming mature Christians. And he gives us two ways to do this. The first one is, he says, achieving unity in the faith. And this one, super simple agreement on the stuff that we need to have agreement on unity in the faith the the is there because he's saying the faith like the thing like and so in other words this is that we agree on things that are absolutely clear in scripture the authority of scripture the exclusivity of Jesus and everywhere else where we have clear chapter and verse of you ought to live your life this way Right, so, so that means we have to know those things and we have to come to a place where we've wrestled with them and, and come to believe them. So that's kind of the first part of maturity. And then this other idea is unity in the knowledge of the Son of God, which is a, a strange phrase, but we can, we can unpack it a little bit. Uh, Paul, another place says, um, the Apostle Paul who wrote Ephesians says, I want to know Christ, yes, fellowship in his sufferings and the knowledge of his resurrection. And, and what he's talking about is he's talking about a lived-in knowledge of following Jesus. He's talking about, like, living his life as a Christian man and and, and figuring out what it means to follow Jesus in every area of his life. And the way that that happens here is through, I think, like, our our individual kind of targeted ministries. Let me give you an example. Um, Fran Groover is one of our our leaders of our cancer support group, right? She usually sits right up there for the Saturday night service. Wasn't here last night. I'm sad about it. I'm going to call her. Um, But... um, I made a joke that she would have loved and she just wasn't um so, um so anyway, I call her my best friend. We used to work together. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, 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 we have a great relationship. Uh, but, you know, she, she helps lead our cancer support ministry. And what that means is that she walks with people who have received a cancer diagnosis and help them figure out what it means to process being a Christian in context of that cancer diagnosis. How do I deal with the fact that this is now my story? How do I deal with the fact that this is now my reality. How do I? How do I process this? How do I talk to my family about this? How do I? And they they grow in the unity of the knowledge of God. Our children's ministry. We have targeted classrooms. I, you know, I, I'm going to mess them up if I try to list them out. But you know, like first grade, second grade, third grade, etc. Those children's classrooms are built to help children process faith in the context of their life. Right? Because they're not going to sit in here and like, you know, listen to a message on finances and like, you know, and I don't know, parse out their allowances and stuff. Like that's not, you know, no, they're, they're, they're dealing with like, how do I be a Christian in the context of my friendships? How do I be kind in my school? And, and how, do I, how do I reflect Jesus in, you know, my kind of day-to-day life? And maybe they're not phrasing the questions in that way, but that's, that's what we're doing. We're helping them grow in unity and the knowledge of the Son of God. Our youth and young adult ministries, we're walking with youth and young adults, and and, and we're kind of teaching them how to process life, and we're, we're putting leaders around them who love them and care for them, and who are there as a resource for them. And, you know, sometimes this can look like a little silly, right? Like we play games in youth ministry, we do, you know, outings at young adults, but this was a phrase I always used when I was a youth pastor, we do youth ministry so that we can earn the right to be there when the roof caves in. Right? Like, because like, here's, here's the reality, and, and maybe this is like something you've never thought about. There will come a time for every 13, 14, 15, through 18 year old where they need to talk to someone who isn't their parent about something that happens in their lives. Right? And, and, and the reality of what we do in youth ministry is that we earn the right to influence in them through, yes, fun over time. Like, we we build a relationship through fun over time, and we do things so that when they need to talk to someone who is not their parent, they don't talk to their forgive my phrase here, idiot friend, um, they, <laughs> they talk to a leader who loves them, who loves you as their parent, and who is invested in their future and in their success. And, and, and you see, what the reason why we do youth ministry, the reason why we do young adult ministry is because 100% of people have crises in their lives where they are going to need somebody who cares for them and who can guide them through it. And we believe that our leaders and our pastors have to earn the right to be there through intentional relationship and through availability for those people because we are building unity in the knowledge of the son of God and all of this results in us being Christ-like right this idea he says attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ now I love 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 this phrase because the fullness is, is the representation of Christ. And, and Paul actually defined it back in Ephesians 1:22 to 23. And this is what he says, and it'll be on the screen, so you don't have to flip real quick. I, w- I want you to listen. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. His body is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In other words, God is calling us to mature into a more complete representation of who Christ is. That as we mature, that as we do those other two things that I was talking about, we will begin to look more like Christ individually. And as we mature within the context of a body called Grace Community Church, Grace Community Church will come to become more like Christ corporately. right? And the cool thing about churches is like different churches can look like Jesus in different ways. I think one way that plays out here at Grace Community is... Um, is our pastoral care area now? Pastor Jared prayed before uh, this service. Uh, pastor Jared is our pastoral care pastor. Um, I can tell you, as someone who works with him, um, the man takes it personally. Um, just it's not just like he's he's punching a clock and he's like, oh, you know, I'm I've worked too much this week. I'm sorry. I'll be there when I can be there. Right? Like he he cares for people deeply and personally and runs a pastoral care department where we make every effort to not miss or forget people. And there's a reason why we do that. It's because we believe that Jesus calls us as a church to reflect his individual care for people, that each person should feel known and loved. Why? Because Jesus knows them and loves them. And so we do things that are are honestly a little different for churches our size. Like the friendship folders are where you write your name and we go through and we keep track of individuals and all that stuff. We do that so we don't miss you. And when we talk to other leaders in churches our size, they look at us like we've just told them the craziest thing ever when we say that we still track individuals. I I just have to tell you this, the general wisdom with churches is that once you get past 350, you probably can't track people individually. That's the the prevailing wisdom, is like you just don't have time, you just have to run bigger, bigger things or whatever. We have 1,800 people who call Grace Community Church their home church, and any given weekend we'll have 12 to 1,400 who show up here in person and then more online we have, we have built a system led by Jared and a team of people that makes sure that every single one of those people gets a call before they have surgery where we pray with them gets noticed when they miss multiple weeks of church it's not because we're trying to beat you down but it's because we've had several times where it's like hey we haven't seen you in church in about a month is everything okay and they say oh no everything is not okay things are bad and so, so we've, we've chosen to invest in this because we believe that Jesus knows you and sees you, and we believe that reflecting Jesus as a congregation called Grace Community Church means making sure that every single person is known and seen. And so that's just, you know, one example. And again, I'm not trying to gas up Grace Community Church. I just It's the most readily available example to me. And then Paul's going to explain maturity a little more, and he's going to do it by contrasting it to what immaturity looks like, right? Because we hear this and we say, well, that sounds insanely challenging, right? Like, that's a lot to unpack. But Paul says, you know, the goal is really to just not be this. And he says, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunningness and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. He's just saying, you just have to choose to not be infants or children any longer. Don't be blown by every fad that comes along, every, every new idea, every new thing, right? Like, the Bible's been around for 2,000 years. There's not new stuff coming out. Like, you don't have to read anything by anybody who's alive. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, you can just read dead people, and you will get the whole of what Christianity, everything you need to know about the faith. And, and he's saying, don't be blown here and there by every new thing. And he uses this example of children, and it almost sounds mean, but think about how children are. They're distracted by everything. They can't value anything properly. Earlier this week, we told my middle child, Isley, that we were getting them a bunk bed, and she said, this is the best day ever. It is objectively not the best day of her life. We've been to Disney World. That bunk bed costs less than one day there. (laughs) You know, um, but that's, that's how children are. That, you know, children just like run at anything that feels exciting or happy, right? And, and you know, they, they just, that's, that's how children operate. And Paul's saying, don't be like that. Don't just accept everything that someone who stands behind any pulpit anywhere says as true without examining it for yourself. And, and and also, like, understand, like, what you have to be about as a Christian, because then he goes into this thing where he says, speaking the truth in love. And, and what this means is really, like, living out a life of truth. The actual word is, he says, truthing in love, which is very weird. Um, but he says, like, living out a life of truth, but wrapping that truth constantly in love for other people. So what does that mean? It means that We have to know the truth so that we could be people of truth, and that when we express the truth as, again, as the body builds itself up, we have to wrap those conversations in love for others. Let me be just like a touch more clear here. As somebody who preaches, as somebody who teaches about the scripture, my job is to not just tell you this is how you ought live. Now go do it. Right? Like like my job is to not just write a sermon about like here's what God thinks about raising kids and I just stand up here and I talk about raising kids and I pull some stuff from, you know, from some psychology's text and some, you know, some bible text and some other stuff and I just kind of say, "Hey, here's my opinion. I'm super smart. You should listen." And then you guys go and you say like, "Oh, he made some good points. I'm going to change some things about raising my kids or something." Right? Like that's not my job. My job is to dive into a scripture verse, and then to come out of that process and to say, hey, here's what I see, here's why I see it, now you kind of look at the same stuff and you decide, you know, what you see and how you see it, and and let's kind of wrestle with it together. In other words, a good sermon shouldn't just tell you how to live, it should actually teach you how to read the Bible. And for us to be people of truth, it requires that our teachers, and Mike and Paul are excellent at this, it requires for our teachers to be people of truth who, who want to show you not just their opinion, but the Bible. And then that means that you or, or us collectively, we have to be students of truth. We have to be people who have done the work. I can't tell you how many times high school students, when I was a youth pastor, would come to me and be like, oh, I'm really struggling with my faith. I said, oh no, what's going on? Oh, I was reading, you know, like I was online and I was reading like Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and like they're just making some good points, man. And I, I just like, I don't know how to process that. And I said, oh, okay, what, what theologians have you read? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, you're reading, you're reading guys who know the Bible better than you do. Like Sam Harris has read the Bible a lot. I'm like, he's an atheist, but he understands the Bible. <laughs> Like he, he, and, and a lot of Christians, I, I just filmed a video series for Dr. Mark Farnham at LBC, and one thing he says in there is very, um, and, he, and he was doing a series on apologetics, and he said, you know, the reality is that a lot of times Christians will find themselves in a coffee shop trying to share the gospel, and the person they, they're talking to has a firmer understanding of scripture than they do, because they just haven't done the work. And listen, I'm not saying this is like salvation, right? Like, I'm not saying you will not get into heaven because you don't know the Bible well, right? Like the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. There was no quiz, right? Like he, was, he made it, right? What I am saying is that discipleship as a Christian means doing the work. Again, people have been thinking about this thing for 2,000 years. You're not going to absorb it in one hour a week. It's a journey into Christ A.W. Tozer says the pursuit of God begins with God at salvation and ends in God as you pursue him for eternity. And so we are invited into that very pursuit when we give our heart to Jesus. And we will grow and become one mature body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. In other words, when people look at you and when people look at our church, they would say, you know what, I bet that's what Jesus is like. You know, I bet, I bet that that's what Jesus was like. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't work with Jesus and I never will, but I bet that's what he was like. You know, I bet that that church, I bet that if Jesus ran an organization, it would look something like that church. And that's our goal. And it's a big goal that we're not going to achieve, right? Because we're, we're kind of, a, you know, we're, we're, we are what we are, right? But, but that's the goal. And let us live up to what we have already attained. Let us live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Because what the Apostle Paul has done here is he's cast a beautiful vision for what the church could be. And, and, and we see it in verse 16. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, God has done a miracle in assembling this church. And what I mean is that God didn't make Grace Community Church or any church you've ever been to by dropping however many people in an area, building a church around them and saying, okay, go find houses or whatever because this is going to be your church. No. God takes us from our, our lived experience and we land here around Willow Street, Pennsylvania and we choose this as our church. And out of that, God makes a body for his glory. God makes one mature body that reflects him and and reflects and and sends him out into the world and and it truly is a miracle. God, out of spare parts, has created something for his glory. And another Paul, Paul David Tripp, a, a modern author, writes it this way and I really think it, I was talking to my wife about this and she texted me this quote and I was like, that's it, right there, you're smart. Um, you know, and um, she is smarter than me in a lot of ways. Um, so, um, but Paul David Tripp says it this way, your life is much bigger than a good job, an understanding spouse and non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are a part of something that is immense. Something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom, and progressively changing them into his likeness. And he wants you to be a part of it. In other words, what we're, what we're doing here, right? Like, and I understand it feels mundane, right? Because that's how life is, right? But what we're doing here, it matters so very much. That even though our morning when we come to church is normal, right? We just like, you know, we get dressed, we go to church, we get out, we walk, we think about the weather, we walk in, we sit in, you know, the seat we usually sit, oh no, somebody's sitting here, they're new, Um, where am I going to go? You know, and it just feels like, it feels like mundanity, like when when we get up and we go to church, that even though that's the case, that the reality is quite different. That, that when, when we step into God's presence, we're actually stepping into the throne room of God, we're interacting with God, and we're asking him to grow us into his likeness, that, that we are actually asking him to allow us to participate in what the thing he is crafting across all of eternity, that we are entering into a multiple thousand-year story, and we are giving our part that he has given to us, and that, that what happens in a local body is, is never just like whatever the thing is, right? Like, like I said, when we work with youth, we're not just like you know, playing dodgeball or playing games. We're actually investing in lives that, that will change generations and will change the world, right? When we work with children, we're helping people to grow into adults that will, that will remember what it is to be, to be a believer and will invest in a church and will, will give of themselves to the people around them. When we worship together, right? It's so much more than just practicing some, you know, like when Alyssa's on the worship team, we have a piano downstairs and she'll practice and and make sure she kind of has everything straight. But it's so much more than that. Like we're not just doing a performance where we like play some nice music and everybody got their parts and the harmonies were tight and the mix was good. All right, guys, let's high five and go home, right? No, we're, we're actually teaching us, that the worship team comes up here and teaches us collectively through song how to understand and apply scripture to their lives, right? That when we say, like, upon this rock you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail, that's, that's a line directly from scripture, But we can remember it because we can hear a drum beat and a musical melody behind it. And that's what good worship music does, is it's 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 an exercise in memorization. It's an exercise in discipleship. And yes, like our worship team sounds great, and they put in the work to make it sound as good as possible. But that's not the important part of what they're doing. The important part of what they're doing is they're ushering us into the presence of god and we're practicing in our minds so that when we get into the middle of our week we can remember that he's always been faithful to me and that this situation i'm facing won't be different because he is good he is good right like and so when we sing these songs they're more than just songs they're they're these containers for memorization that help us to grow and change and learn and we could go on and on and and talk about the different areas where ministries do this but we end kind of with a simple question what's next for you do you have to serve like in other words have you been kind of sitting back and thinking like this church is fine without me they don't need me I have to be honest with you we will create a ministry for you to serve I don't care what you're good at we'll find we'll figure it out give us a week You know what I mean, like like get to me on a Monday, by next Monday we'll find something, right? You know what I mean? Because, and we actually have a class that does that, it's called Finding My Place, it's coming up in November, and you can register at gccws.net slash next steps, I know I'm putting on my announcement voice, Um, but it's a really practical thing that you could do. If if you're thinking about serving and you're looking for kind of the front door on that, go sign up for that class. There's, There's a few people registered for already, there's room for you to do it you know, before you leave today, I mean, I don't even care if you do it on your phone right now, Um, you know, hop in and register for that class. Maybe, but maybe if it's not served, maybe you just need to focus on maturing, because what happens with our our Christian maturity is it's so easy to just kind of like, you know, forget about it. You know, I get it. You know, it's like life gets busy, and it's like, you know, I, I mean, my faith is fine, right? But like the work you do to mature as a Christian is an investment in future conversations you have with someone where you can minister to them. So so maybe you need to kind of audit your life and say, do I need to swap out the business book on Audible and, you know, just listen to scripture on my ride to and from work, right? Like those little things where I just need to revisit stuff like that. Or or maybe you have to do a little more truthing in love. In other words, like you've put in the work and, and you've got a pretty solid grounding in truth but you're not really like living it. You're not really giving that out to other people. And maybe you just need to kind of open your eyes and look to your left or to your right and say, you know what, God, have you put somebody in my life that needs the truth that I can give them wrapped in love for them, right? Like, do I need to start with love to give myself a window for truth for somebody that's in my life, somebody that's in my family, somebody that's at my workplace, somebody that's, you know, in my extended family. And, you know, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. Who's that person that like you're kind of hoping they get sick, you know what I mean? Because you don't want to interact with them. Um but they might still show up even though they're sick, right? Like, what would it look like for you to begin to love that person and just choose to lead with love as that person is concerned? And, you know, those are some things we can do with this, but, but here was kind of my bigger goal. I hope that you leave realizing what the church is. And yes, what Grace Community Church is, but what Lampeter Church of the Brethren is and what Mission Church is and what what these beautiful little things are that God created and dropped in the middle of wherever. And, and, and like the chance, like how special what we do here is and how eternal it is. And, and the fact that some of the stuff we do here might be the most significant stuff we ever do. And that gets me excited because because... I get to be a part of it, and we get to be a part of it. So let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for loving us and calling us, and we thank you for calling us to a calling that is bigger and more and greater than us. We thank you for trusting us with a calling that when we fully understand it, we have the same reaction of the Apostle Peter and Isaiah, where we say, depart from me because I am a man of unclean lips. We feel smaller than this. And it's because when we have a proper perspective on it, we are smaller than it. And in spite of that, you've called us and you've purposed us and you've placed us inside of Willow Street, Pennsylvania in a church called Grace Community Church of Willow Street for however long we're here. And you've called us to work and do and love, and mature, and to grow into the body, that, that as each part does its work, and as the body builds itself up together in love, we clean the mirror of our lives, and the mirror of our congregation, and we more totally reflect you. And we thank you for that, because it's bigger than us, but you trust us with it. And you empower us to live up to what we have already attained. You empower us to live a life worthy of our calling. All you ask us to say is, yes. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. So help us to say yes. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message and choosing to spend some time with us today. To get more information about Grace Community Church, our service times, and our location, check out our website at gccws.net.